Hello, listeners. If you are joining us after having listened to our first episode, thank you so much for continuing on. We are so happy to have you here with us for our podcast. For this upcoming episode, we just wanted to let you know that we recorded it virtually due to having to quarantine temporarily due to the pandemic. And there are some strange audio glitches that do happen throughout the episode due to that. But we wanted to let you know before you even start listening that we learned from this episode. We will not have those glitches in future episodes, but the content was still worthy that we wanted to go ahead and share this episode with you as a bonus here on launch week. So happy listening and thanks again. Hi, George. Hi, George. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. It is wine day. Cheers to you, friend. Ooh, that was a good cheers. That was a good cheers. For everyone listening, we are virtually recording this week because the pandemic sucks and we're trying to be responsible and quarantine. So cheers. Cheers to being responsible human beings. Yeah. Responsible human beings and, you know, loving mankind and trying to do our part. <laughs> we do do our part. But welcome to the Whining Moms podcast. Welcome, everybody. Happy Wednesday. So how are you doing, friend? I am doing good. How are you? Uh, It has been a week. Um, My munchkin, my two-year-old daughter, Claire, is having a crazy sleep regression. Like her imagination just came full force. And now all of a sudden, she's scared of the dark for the first time. And just sleep is not a thing. Um, So I guess that's my wine for this week is that I just am feeling a little rough. You know, like you get in this groove. I feel like with kids, you get in this groove, right? Where everything is, you know, trucking along and you've got your groove, everything is working. And then all of a sudden you're just like, bam, sleep regression or bam. Like it's literally the the second that you get into a groove, it's like they throw a wrench into it and then you have to figure out your groove again. So it's like, they just like to keep you on your toes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly. This is why I'm having wine with you. And so how do you deal with it when she says that she can't that she's afraid of the dark? I'm really just trying to keep things as normal as possible because I read that if they're good sleepers before sleep regressions, that um, after like something like this pops up that they are much back to normal. So you kind of have a unicorn baby in that regard. Oh my gosh. She's, she's really good. She's really great. Like the only time she ever has sleep regressions is when it's like a big cognitive change or a physical thing. So mm-hmm. I can't complain. Well, you did tell me that she was really processing her emotions more, which is a win. Yeah. But yeah. Comes with the negative of no sleep. So you can't really enjoy it very much. Yeah. So I guess update though, from my win last week, the shower head was installed and I'm no longer Yay. drowning every time I shower. So I was washing my hair tonight and wondering if you were still drowning over there. So I'm (laughs) happy to hear that you're not still drowning. Well, and I was worried too. My birthday came and went and the shower head did not get hung. And I was like, okay, I don't want to nag about the shower head. I know it was a very nice gesture to do because again, remember we agreed no more house projects when we moved into the rental house. Um, And then, you know, the days were ticking by, (laughs) the days were ticking by. And as I'm drowning every time I was like, oh, damn it. You know, so, uh, (laughs) the shower head is now. Important. So did you have to remind him or did he just do it? No, he just did it. I was like, I'm not going to say anything. I feel like that's a mutually beneficial shower head. Cause you said he found it uncomfortable as well. Yeah. He said it, he said it was really great. His, his exact words were, uh, I think you'll be pleased with the shower head. And then he just walked away. I was like, all right. <laughs> 
So um, I love his really serious reports like that. It's fantastic. (laughs) He's like the master of like, hey, I'm going to drop this information on you and walk away. So (laughs) and you just like silently sat there and celebrated because you're like, yay, I don't have to drown the next shower. So not drowning, but also not sleeping. Yeah. So like, I mean, how much sleep did you get last night? It, it's not so much not sleeping. It's only like the bedtime routine. So like that. Oh, um, like, like I, I was telling you earlier, like she, I, she would call me on the monitor and she'd be like, my leg is stuck. My leg is stuck. And I, you know, rush up and I can see on the monitor. She's fine. And then she's just holding her little leg in the air. And she says, mommy, my, my leg is stuck. Um, she's working on her. her I love her. Little, I love her. <laughs> and I said, babe, it's not stuck. And she goes, uh, mommy, it's just stuck a little bit. So, <laughs> and then it's like you're standing there over her crib, just like you. Like I can't keep a straight face when they do stuff like that. Yeah. Well, I can because I'm annoyed in that moment. Like, okay, so the, True. the, the like real True. line of the story is so like last night was the re- like second real night of this kind of regression where bedtime takes like three hours. And, um, you know, I'm trying to just be consistent and comfort her when she's scared and, you know, go back in and check on her and do the whole things that all the articles say to do. And, uh, of course, like during one of the times I popped in, I realized she needed a diaper change. Right. So like I changed her diaper and I, you know, brought the diaper downstairs and I forgot her little fun sized kid table had been moved to a different spot and the lights were off and I just like nailed my leg on it as hard as I like. I was going full oh. force. And then, okay. so then I'm just annoyed. So I go in and she's saying all these cute things. And I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'm okay. So You're like, mommy's dying. Mommy's dying a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I mean, it's just, it's been a week. And well, it's just to yeah. work is really stressful. So the combo, oh girl, it's been, it's been, <laughs> it's, been it's hard because their minds are just going, going, going. And she has her like 4 billion friends in her crib. Yeah. Which last night she ended up throwing out. My daughter uh, likes to have approximately 1 million stuffed animals in her crib at all times. She's of the age where this is safe and all of that. But she last night just threw all of them out. Um, So all of the friends are on the floor next to the crib. And she has her two, you know, stuffies that are like life in the crib with her. Well, that relates to my wine. If you want to hear about my wine. Yes. Go for it. So do you have rules for your child on like her favorite stuffies or her favorite toys that she has to sleep with? Like, do they stay in her room? Is she allowed to bring them wherever she wants to bring them in the house? Is she allowed to bring them on walks? Like, what are your rules around? Yeah. So I had, she had pink rar, which is her like favorite bear. <laughs> and um, that always stayed in her crib. Always, always. Like that was the rule was like, we keep it in the crib so she doesn't get dirty um, and she used to go to daycare too. So I didn't want her to like freak out going to daycare without it. Right. Then <laughs> pandemic happened and then she uh, got Sky. And then I couldn't really reason with her that like Sky should also stay there because Sky came from outside of the crib. So now Sky goes everywhere. Yeah. So now I have to wash yeah. it approximately a million times a week. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't wash our child's favorite toys. So that's. <laughs> more power to you if you're actually doing that but um that is an interesting distinction because it's true it's like they had like my daughter had her elmo that she loved and was always in her crib always had to stay in her crib when she was probably about um claire's age but then as she got older it was that's a, a good point it was things that she got and was playing with yeah. and then asked if she could sleep with them because they're her new friends and she liked them And so it becomes this whole thing. I ask because we do have rules around 
the favorite toys are no longer allowed to come to like stores and whatnot because we have twice lost favorite toys at stores and oh, it's yeah. been a frantic nightmare. Now that we're not going to stores anymore, you know, the toys are allowed to be anywhere in the house because they're her favorite toys. They're her little friends and whatnot, but they get lost all of the time. So for the fact that we are going nowhere, and they're still at lost. least, you know, they're in the house, but they get lost all the time. So my husband and I disagree on what the rule should be. He thinks that the toy that is her favorite toy should have to stay in her bed because she can't sleep without it. But for me, I'm like, well, it's her favorite toy and she wants it to watch her shows with her and eat lunch with her and you get weak in the face of that. But I also, I think, and I don't know if it's just because I had little stuffed friends like that when I was a kid. So I get it that she wants the friend to do all the things with her in addition to sleeping with her. But the reason that he holds his opinion and I understand his his viewpoint is that it gets lost all the time. So my wine for this week is that her favorite toy right now is Plotty the Platypus and it has been lost for 24 (laughs) hours. And we, I did, I did spoiler alert. Mom, Win found it in our crafting ottoman in the, in the hallway (laughs) randomly, because I knew this thing was, had to be somewhere random. We looked for it. My husband and I were up, like we said, we wanted to go to bed last night after having looked for it for a while, given up, decided to watch a TV show. And then when we're going up to bed and we're like, oh, we didn't find the platypus. So we spent 30 minutes scouring our house. We're like going into my son's room with a flashlight because we're like, well, she wasn't there. You know, she's going to wake up in the middle of the night and be sad that she's never platypus because we promised her we would find it. We looked everywhere for this platypus. <laughs> and so we all day today, I'm looking for this platypus. I'm like, did she wake this up is ridiculous. looking for it? She did, but I told her, so she's also very into Paw Patrol. She just had a birthday. She got the whole lookout tower for the Paw Patrol. So I immediately was like, I couldn't find it last night. Dad and I tried so hard. This is for sure a mission for the Paw Patrol. <laughs> and like, thank God she bought into that That's and was like, yeah, <laughs> right. Because I told my husband as I'm going to bed last night, I'm like, I have looked for this platypus for like an hour collectively tonight. And I don't even have the satisfaction of having found it. Because now it's like this challenge that like this stuffed animal is winning because I can't find it. <laughs> and now I have to go to bed knowing it's like admitting defeat to this, to this platypus. And um, I'm like, and to boot, she's going to wake up upset because I promised her I would find it. because I was sure I would. Right. And I couldn't. Right. So I was happy that she um, bought into my Paw Patrol thing. Her, she looked for it all day. The Paw Patrol looked for it all day. I looked for it all day. We couldn't find it. And it was literally in like the final minutes before bed that I, I remembered my husband putting um, construction paper away in our craft bin in the hallway. And I thought, I wonder if she had it. And she looked in and she dropped it and it got put in there. And that's where the platypus was. So we found it. That is my massive whine of like having to look for these toys. So turned into a win about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> when I found it before bedtime. Well, this was like 10 night tonight. Like you found it. It was tonight. It was tonight. I was like, we're going to have to go to bed again. And this, this stuffed animal is going to ruin my life for another day until we can find it. Cause she's sad about it. And I get it. It's her little friend that she likes to snuggle with. But but worse than that is the fear of going to sleep, knowing that you're going to be woken up by a little girl. Who's like, where's my stuffy? You said you would find it. Like that's the big fear. No. And I'm like, I promised I looked in all the hiding spots (laughs) the kids have. Because they have some weird hiding spots. Like, we lost my dish scrubbies. I crochet our own dish scrubbies. <laughs> and we lost all of them for, like, months. I had to crochet new ones. And it was because she, when she, this is probably when she was, like, two. She had hidden them in our bedside table. 
And like, it wasn't until we went in there for something else, like a charger or something that we were like, Oh, (laughs) there's the scrubbies. So like, we know the hiding places now it's either that it's either the kitchen oven of their toy kitchen. Oh man. That's a huge win that you found it though. So cheers to that. (laughs) What kind of wine are you drinking? I am drinking my fancy schmancy box wine from Costco. Is it Pinot Grigio? It is Pinot Grigio. You bought it for me for my birthday. I I couldn't remember. Thank you. (laughs) I know a high class uh, gift. I gave you box wine for your birthday. Listen, (laughs) I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of wants right now. The box wine was fantastic because I was literally almost out. I had like dripped my last drops into my cup and then you showed up in my house. So it was like, "Ah, I am drinking. Okay. I think, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's either Wente or Went, like W-E-N-T-E Chardonnay. I think it just tastes pretty oaky if I had to speak to it. So it's like, I think like a yeah, I don't know what those words mean, but I drink box wine. Yeah. <laughs> I guess seven Your nine. husband described it as sweet and fruity. Yeah. He's broken. Like there's something wrong and his wires are crossed. So it's very Chardonnay is not supposed to be sweet, is I mean, it? It's like, um, I don't think so. I think it depends. I don't know. We mean, who are we hosting a whining mom's podcast, <laughs> by the way? <laughs> it's a pun we don't know what we're to allow about. us to whine about our day. So there's that. So cheers to that. You should drink wine while we whine. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag uh, the whining mom's podcast. Check us out on our Instagram. The whining moms spelled whining like you're whining and dining, not complaining like we are tonight. So the right. uh, subject that I wanted to bring up today um, kind of stems back to when I first became a mom and I also would come to you all the time <laughs> when I was stressing out and panicking. Um, when I had my daughter, Claire, two years ago, I, um, had wicked postpartum anxiety, like wicked. And I, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm an anxious person to begin with. I think we talked about that on our last episode, but, um, yeah, this was like a whole nother level. And the thing that totally saved me um, when I had Claire was, um, because I'm, I'm kind of an introvert and, you know, I have really close friends, but I don't have like a huge, huge friend group, um, mm-hmm. like in the same phase of life as I am. And so I didn't really have anyone to chat about or <laughs> hear these stories. And so, um, the internet saved me, not with the Pinterest perfect kind of moms, but the, the moms who were posting like real shit about, um, real life mom moments, the real scary parts, the real like insane things that no one ever tells you would happen. So I kind of wanted to pick your brain tonight, um, Jocelyn, on some of the things that happened to you when you became a parent and share some of my stories, because um, I'm hoping that if there's listeners out there um, kind of, you know, grasping onto our podcast as just, you know, a place to come and listen to moms talk about real things that that will kind of help build some community and help you feel more sane. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And like when I'm listening to you talk about that, I realize we've both been always been the kind of people that it's the quality of the relationship over the Mm -hmm. quantity of the friendship. And I feel like there's this kind of a vibe out there that you're supposed to have this mom tribe or this girl tribe or whatever. And it's like, if you don't have that, you're not doing anything wrong. You're probably just focusing on your more close personal relationships. And that's fine too. And that's how you kind of get that quality of the relationship. You're not spreading yourself so thin with all the other relationships. So if there's any moms out there that are feeling like they're alone because they only have these couple friendships or whatever that they're fostering, like you're actually the lucky ones is what I've come to realize is like, you don't need all those other, other friendships because it just stresses us out because we said we're both introverted people. You want those quality relationships that you can actually rely on. And I think too, like, 
you know, we, you and I had each other and we were super close friends. Um, and then, you know, we have like acquaintances and things that we would share stories with, but when I became a mom and when, you know, you were momming before pandemic, we were so busy that we saw each other kind of once in a while. And it wasn't like as frequently as we chat now, even, which is kind of how the podcast came to be. But in doing that, even though like I knew I could count on you and I could text you and call you, we still had that like gap in between instances. And so hearing um, people online or even just hearing from strangers that, Mm-hmm. this kind of thing happens right. made me feel like it grounded me and made me feel way less panicky and way less like I just wasn't living up to what I yeah. thought I was going to be as a mom what, so we can be those strangers for people today yes. and hopefully they can hear our stories and, and it'll help them and also I want to say like when you talk about this with me it's always kind of a little, honestly a little bit jarring for me because I feel bad because you didn't disclose it when it was right. happening I was helping watch your child at the early stages for you when you went to work. And I had no idea because you were trying to make it all work. And that's the hard part about being a new mom is you feel like you have to make it work. And so you don't share these things until after the fact you realize like, oh crap, like I was not doing well at all. I don't know. I feel like you need to get like some sleep under your belt and some practice with the kids under your belt. So you realize like, oh, I wasn't okay. Like that was really hard back then and I was not okay. Um, but you don't even think to reach out to your people that you do have because it's just, right. it's all just a mess. Well, and you don't so. know how to verbalize what you're experiencing because it's the first time that it's ever happened to you. And so, um, or, and, and I feel like so each kid is different too. Cause I know like you had a very different experience with Aria than you did with Gavin. And one of the things I wanted to kind of talk about was like, what was the thing that, that scared you most about becoming a mom before you were a mom? So this is always an interesting question for me because I was super blissfully unaware of what I was in for. Super confident. It's not in, well, it's not even that. It's just not in my nature that I wouldn't have more anxiety about like being a mom. Now that I know what being a mom (laughs) is, like had I known, I would have had so many anxieties, but I was definitely with my first child, I had a very easy pregnancy I was that mom that was just like glowing and happy and like, Oh, the baby's coming. And like, it's all fine. And had no idea what was about to hit me. Like no idea. (laughs) So like I, when I like reflect on that, it's like, it's partly like, Oh my gosh, I probably should have been stressing more because that's how I am. Right. I'm like, I retroactively should be stressing more about this thing that I didn't stress (laughs) about in the past. But also like, I just feel like there is this like piece, like now I try to remember when I do see new moms that are about to embark on their parenthood journey for the first time, like you literally have no idea what's coming. So I try to be, I try to be really supportive after the baby's here and just check on them a lot because I'm like, now that I know, and now that I've heard your story and just kind of been through it with my second, I will say, I don't know that I had things that I was most scared of becoming a parent before my first, Mm -hmm. which is crazy for me. But going from one to two, I had a lot of fears because you did know what to expect. And then you have another human coming. And I think that was like my sweet spot of anxiety was like, okay, I know what's going to happen. And I'm making this decision to have a second child and just kind of all the anxieties of like, is it going to, are we going to have the same challenges? Are we going to have different challenges? What are we going to expect? How's it going to go? How am I going to juggle two? And then there's the whole fact of like going from one to two, I had this legitimate fear. So if anybody else has this as well, when I was, when I just had my daughter, I was like, how am I going to love another human this much? Like, I love her so much. How is there, how is there going to be enough love to go around for this second human that I can't even fathom yet in my mind? Um, And that was honestly my biggest fear of going to two was like, A, how is it going to affect number Mm -hmm. one? 
her having a new sibling because she's not going to get the same amount of attention as she did and before. And how am I going to love another human the same context, way? Which of course you just for context, do. Uh, remind everyone of their ages and like the gap between them. So my daughter just turned five a couple days ago and my son is 22 months old now. So there's about three years, almost exactly between the two of them. So she really understood that baby right. was coming and she was very excited about it, but very much did not understand like what that was going to That's entail. That's almost scarier, I think, because then it's like- no Human was coming. It was pretty wonderful, honestly, like having her understand yeah. it and like be part of it and be able to just like be excited for it and talk to her about it. But also, yeah, like she was used, she was old enough that she was used to being the sole right. attention- receiver in our home so um but of course for all the moms out there that might be pregnant with number two like as my cousin told me when I was <laughs> having these fears your heart just grows it just yeah. does and you love the other one just as much and you somehow have all this extra love in your life that you didn't realize that you could have um but I think that was probably my most irrational fear going from one to two is just kind of figuring out how you yeah because I'm a very attention to detail kind of person and I wanted to make sure that okay now I have to divide my attention between two, two humans right. that both want all of my attention, but you, you figure it out and it just, it just Yeah. Now that I see Claire at two and like, you know, she's two and a half now. And so she has more of that like communication and personality. And that to me is such a different stage and takes such a different level of attention and like actual presence versus just like the eat, sleep, yeah. feed, eat, sleep, feed, you know, yeah. over and over. So, um, I, I definitely could see how that would be scary scary going into it and see you I think you were really great with me when I was pregnant and um not scaring me <laughs> like not making me feel calm cool and collected when you would like tell me about parenthood and you never told me anything that was like scary but you also never told me like oh it's gonna be puppies and rainbows and everything perfect I feel like that's either people either did that or they like joked about like well get ready to not sleep anymore and I'm like that was yeah. not helpful information so what were your biggest fears though despite so, uh, that mine was kind of a, a different situation because um and and you know this but I um when we got pregnant with my daughter it was a total surprise I was on the pill I had just started like a, you know, a big new job where I'd gotten a promotion and I was working, you know, like triple the hours almost. And, um, just because I was really trying to put all of my effort into this new job and, uh, my husband and I were on vacation and surprise, like, you know, whatever happened. Perfect time to be growing a human, right? right? <laughs> um, and so, um, but I have always had like, this is probably TMI for listeners. So, you know, watch yourself, but I have always had um, previously really irregular cycles. And when I was on the pill, I would get like next to no period or like next to no shark week. Right. So, um, a fun fact, we call that time of the month shark week. So you may hear that from time to time on the podcast. So much more entertaining. <laughs> and it's that. much more indicative of what our husband's experience during that like week. <laughs> like we just had a conversation about this before we got on the phone. Like it's not even like a week thing. It's like a two week, a like week you have to prepare for shark week. <laughs> It's just, yeah. it's, it's not okay. It's not so, okay. But carry yeah. on. You had much better experiences when you were on the pill because shark right, was almost right. not a good In hindsight, I know like how much the pill was totally jacking my body up, but I had like zero cycle or if I did, it was very irregular or spotty or whatever. So, uh, I did not know I was pregnant until, you know, like a month or two in, into my pregnancy or like more, more than that. Like I, because I never had, um, a cycle. So I just figured, you know, I was feeling off. I was getting like migraines and 
um, you know, like really bad headaches. And I also thought, okay, it's the stress of a new job. So I'm also working all these extra hours doing a new job, managing a bunch of people. And now um, I'm exhausted all of the time from that, you know, and we're newlyweds and, you know, doing all the things that newlyweds do. And so I was just tired all the time. Right. And um, I knew you were pregnant. Does that help? (laughs) What's funny is I had an employee and confront me in front of my whole team and go, are you pregnant? And I didn't know I was pregnant. And, um, <laughs> and I was like, that is such a rude thing to say. I remember being so offended. No, you didn't look pregnant, but you went from saying you never yeah. wanted to, you guys weren't going to have kids to like, you know, I think I'm like, I think we might well, want to have kids. You know, I'm, I'm really thinking about it. And I was like, you're pregnant already. You're just trying to warm the waters <laughs> to tell me. You thought I was like manipulating you. And but, you okay. were. So your mind was preparing you for it. So what happened was September, October, November. Okay. So it was like the beginning of October was like when I would have conceived. Right. And then, you know, all of October went by, all of November went by. I had a little bit of spotting. So again, I like, I'm I'm glad, I'm most glad I didn't know because in hindsight, like I would have been terrified with like everything. I would have thought like the pregnancy was in risk, Mm -hmm. whatever. But, um, you know, I find out after the fact and my, it's, what's funny is my husband and I, uh, at that Thanksgiving had said, oh, we would love to start a family someday, but we'll plan it for down the line. Like we were going to plan it out because, mm-hmm. and I don't know who we thought we were trying to plan things. We never plan things. Yeah. We've been over this. There's no plan. <laughs> no, we things. talk about things happen, and then you go with what it. We do. Um, <laughs> so your bodies were like, Surprise! this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> you thought it. I was terrified when I like finally found out and, you know, I found out and got an ultrasound the same day. Um, and my husband wasn't there. And I remember being so terrified to tell him. Like, and of course, he's the one, most wonderful person. And like, it would never be an issue. But it's this thing that like, two people enter into. And it now it's just happening without anybody say. And so that felt. Two people enter, three come out. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> but like, I was like, really, really scared to tell Our him. Our jokes like, are terrible. Because, and mostly not because of how I thought he would react, but because like, I felt like when I would tell him that like, it would make it real and our whole life was going to change. And I was just scared. Of my- yeah, it, it totally did. And, and of course he was like happy and it was beautiful. And we shared, like mm-hmm. it ended up being perfect timing where we shared it with family around a holiday and all this stuff. But I just, it was, it was so such a whirlwind that I was so scared that it, everything was going to change. I was worried we're newlyweds. I was worried like, oh, we didn't get enough time alone together. And you know, we'd love to travel. Oh, can we still travel? All of those things. So I think just the surprise, I'm a planner and you know this mm-hmm. about me. I'm a planner and we are very, yeah. uh, change unexpectedly is kind of jarring for me. And so it took a lot of yeah. um, readjusting and like recalibrating. Um, yeah. But it ended up turning out fine. <laughs> Right. Well, and I think that um, we did plan ours. So that's probably why I didn't have as yeah. much of that because I, I knew we wanted it and we wanted the change to happen. And we went through the whole like, oh, we tried this month. It didn't happen. Okay. Now I'm bummed. Okay. We tried again. It didn't happen. Now I'm bummed. So we went through all that part of it that like when it did happen, we were very excited about it. Um, and then we yeah. had the full nine months to prepare, but even still, and I'm sure you can attest to this as well. You don't know what's coming Like you your life is just, just changes in a way that you have no idea right. how, yeah. how different your life's going to look once you become a parent. And it's just, you don't know until so, you know. Okay. Along those lines then, yes. what is the most annoying advice that you've received about parenting? 
like whether it be solicited or not, because I was so taken aback by the amount of like, I don't know, like the, the like balls that some people had to just be like, here's this advice that I'm going to tell you that you should do about your body and the person you're growing inside of you. Um, and you should just take it because that's what happens when you're a parent. So did you ever experience anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I think people like, there's something about just like being a pregnant human or a human with a small human that people feel like, I don't know if they think they're being helpful. Two things. I had some very jarring advice from doctors that was not super helpful. Also jarring advice from other like just mothers in my life. So what would you like me to do? Doctors, because I feel like there's the ones we're supposed to be able to trust. (laughs) Right. Okay. So this relates to breastfeeding. Edgy subject. Because, right. And I mean, we can and probably will do an entire episode on this. But to this topic, the most annoying advice, and like when I think about, like, obviously I have two children now, as as I've mentioned, but when I think back to my daughter's first year of life, that is like the formative years of just figuring out your identity as a mother. And there was a lot of struggles that came with that as well. And when I look back on it, I'm certain I had some level of postpartum depression and just didn't identify it at the time. But I had some pretty terrible advice from doctors about breastfeeding because first of all, like you go to the classes beforehand and they're like, Oh, it's the most natural thing in the world. No, it's hard and you have to figure it out. So I vividly remember I'm in the hospital. I just had my tiny human by C by emergency C-section. My doctor comes in who wasn't there because she (laughs) went to lunch, even though I was in labor she went to grab lunch across the street that some other person delivered my human. And then she comes in to check on me and she goes, how's breastfeeding going? And I said, oh, it's going so great. She just fed for about 40 minutes. I feel really good about it. And she looks at me with this just super straight face and goes, if she fed for that long, she's no longer getting nutrition from it. She's just using it as a pacifier. <laughs> this is like day one that your I'm baby's like, born? Yes. And it like crushed me because I was like, oh, I thought we were doing really well. And I'm like, what a horrible yeah. thing to say to a new mom who's just, like, you didn't need to say that. You could just be like, okay, great. Like she got the nutrition and she nursed yeah. for longer. Who cares? Um, which also side note turned out to be not true because my daughter was a very um, slow nurser. So she just, she took a while to get the, the milk that she needed to transfer. And then she's always been just small. She's been on the small end of the spectrum weight wise. And so it took her, we have since switched doctors. I want to say that the doctor I have now is amazing, but the doctor I had during her first year of life, she finally at the end of her first year was like, Oh, this must just be her individual growth growth curve. She's just small. I'm like, I've been trying to tell you this because I've been small my whole life. I've been trying to tell you that this is, this is fine. But one of the things that she told me was when she was worried about her weight, I think she wanted us to use formula because that way you can quantify what they're getting. So if they're, if they're in the low end of the weight spectrum, but they're on formula and you know, the amounts that they're getting, right. they're fine with that. But she kept asking me how much she was getting. And I would talk about, you know, our length, our length of fees, this and that. And she had me one day go home. She's like, okay, well for one day, just pump all day just pump your milk, see how much milk that you're getting. And then that's how much you'll know that she's getting. And I remember being so stressed out that whole day, just pumping. And I wasn't getting as much as I thought I would from pumping. Like the first pump, I did get enough. And then 
it just kind of kept dwindling throughout the day. And now that I know what I know about breastfeeding, like my stress yeah. level trying to do that, of course I wasn't pumping enough for her. That's not how you figure out if your baby's no, getting enough and it's breast important milk. You have to. For, for moms to know that like pumping is not the equivalent of breastfeeding. Like feeding your baby breast milk. Yes. That is the equivalent of like what they are eating, but the way that your body produces that, that you don't have the hormone that releases the milk like without you your don't. baby attached to your boob. Like that's just not, it doesn't, yeah. the, the production is not the same. <laughs> right. So to your point of the internet, I, when I, when that didn't work, I went online and just looked up as much as I could about breastfeeding. And it was then that I learned about checking that they had enough wet diapers and just all the other things that you could look at besides the amount that you're pumping, right. because everything I read was like, no, that's the worst possible way to see how much milk your baby's getting. And so then I started really watching her diapers to know that she was getting enough milk that way. That was just to me, just again, one of the things that just a doctor should be able, you should be able to trust them to give you the advice that you need. And so for me, that was kind of some of the worst advice on the, the, I feel like as new moms, you're trying as hard, especially when you're going from no kids to one kid, you're trying so hard to figure it out. Because then when I had my son also relating to breastfeeding, my milk came in very quickly. And when I was in the hospital and he's always been a super efficient mm -hmm. nurser. And I could, by that point I had nursed with my daughter. So I knew what it felt like. And so he, I remember that he nursed, it was maybe he nursed for like four minutes or something but I felt the milk transfer. I knew my milk had come in. I felt that my like, breast felt less full that yeah. he had gotten enough milk. I remember the nurse came in and she was like, he didn't nurse long enough. You're going to have to nurse him again, or we're going to have to poke his foot to see oh, if his sugar is okay. And I remember like walking through, through like, no, here's all the reasons that I know he got enough milk. And she like notated the chart and was like, okay, that's fine. And walked away. Cause that was my first kid. I yeah. would have crushed yeah. me right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, he got plenty of milk. He's always been like in the average weight yeah. age range for his age. So it's just that to me, like sticks out was just like the medical providers advice on breastfeeding because I trusted them. And I just, I personally had a bad experience with yeah. people just kind of not giving me solid advice there. So also gotten some wackadoodle advice from other parents, yeah. but well, I have gotten advice from people that are not even parents on parents which that's, that's wonderful. Me, like rocked my world. So like I got it, I got like unsolicited advice from, you know, coworkers, like while I was pregnant, like, oh, you're going to breastfeed, right? Like A, that's none of your business. B, I, I had a, an employee tell me that because I had a C-section, it wasn't a real birth. Um, so, I mean, that's not really advice. Yeah. That's yeah. Hold up. Hold um, up. Yeah. <laughs> we both had C-sections and that is like the most maddening thing yeah. somebody could you still right. grew and, and birthed yeah. a human. So that's, that's a, and then that's you have like a whole degree. nother <laughs> episode, but can of worms that we're going to open up. But, so again, I mentioned I had like wicked postpartum anxiety, like to the effect that, yeah. um, I guess along the same line of doctors that, um, I didn't know what I was experiencing was like really severe anxiety, like outside the normal, like healthy levels until mm -hmm. my OBGYN was like, yeah, um, based on everything that you're sharing, like you should go on medication. And so then, okay. So that just, this is like, you know, you get what, like one, maybe two, postpartum visits if you're lucky whereas mm -hmm. your baby gets like 19 of them which is a whole nother story but I did the work to try and make sure that I could exhaust all options before exploring medication and thankfully those worked for me after the fact um, not that I think there's anything wrong with medication but I just didn't personally want to go on them for anxiety 
right. sink at that time because I was pumping. They're not like, let's talk about yeah. how we can help you. Let's just right. put you through medication. There's other ways so, to so help there's you that, as well. And then there was all, you know, with that, with that in mind, like knowing that I'm anxious and I'm, you know, in the thick of it and just when you're experiencing postpartum anxiety, you're feeling like everything feels very, very personal, right? So everything feels like anytime somebody makes a comment, it's, it also somehow ties into your parenting and all of those things. So when I, mm-hmm. when I saw this, it was a, like a, a, a friend, she had posted this thing on social media saying, I am so sick and tired of seeing parents send their kids out with their hair, a hot mess. Like they should always be perfectly groomed before you let them do anything um and is mm-hmm. you know she's pretty she was pretty young at the time when she said this like she was much younger than I was um so like I get it like I've said stupid things in different phases of life when I've been totally naive and didn't know um, but then I like kind of engaged with her because I was like okay well let me share with you like what it's like when you're feeling really anxious because like I make the choice every day to not wrestle my child if it's going to make her really terribly unhappy just to make sure that her hair is perfectly done. So like I have like a three second window where I can try and get her hair out of her face, but I'm not going to like pin her down, you know, a WWF like wrestler, whatever, WWF, WE, whatever it is, wrestler. Um, But (laughs) I'm not a wrestler. I'm not going to like, you know, body slam my child to try and make sure her hair is perfectly coiffed because I don't know any kid that sits perfectly still until they're a little bit older. Right. And so, like, I was trying to explain to her, like, I, I prioritize my daughter feeling safe and happy over the way that her hair looks. And then she just continued down the rabbit hole. And I just remember thinking, I can't believe I'm getting so worked up about advice from somebody that doesn't have a kid. But the fact that is that, like, it totally bothered me <laughs> because it felt personal. And, it did. Um, yeah. So I just... I guess I, I wanted to bring this up because I received so much unsolicited advice, like, oh, you better breastfeed or, oh, this is the only way to like sleep train a baby or, um, that, that was my other one that I, if you, if you didn't choose doctor, it's (laughs) the sleep training. So much advice on sleep training. Go sit down people and don't stop telling your advice. You had a very rough go of it with sleep when it came to your first child. Like when, when Aria was a baby, she hardly slept, right? She did not know how to sleep. She was born not knowing how to sleep. And if you have not experienced then that's why I like after the fact was like, oh my God, I definitely was depressed in the early stages because I wasn't sleeping ever. And she was slow with nursing. So she, she took long times to do feeds. I would finally finish feeding her. And so my husband and I would tap out, like he would have to go try to put her, get her to fall asleep because then it would be time for me to feed her again. But she just didn't know how to fall asleep. Like even in the hospital when she was first born, like she just would never just like doze off on her own. She needed it. It just, it was a whole thing, but then people always had all their advice and it's not helpful when you're sleep deprived, you're trying everything you can to get your child sleep because you know, they need it for their brain development and everything else. And people are telling you all the things that you should do as though it's your fault that they're not sleeping. And if you don't have a kid that doesn't sleep, you don't know what it's like. Because most of the advice was coming from people that had babies that just slept from the beginning. You don't, you can't tell me like, oh, you just have to let her fuss a little bit. She'll fall asleep. And I'm like, we would sometimes let her fuss for like longer than I would even probably like to admit because we would both be so just frustrated with the situation that we were like, this is better for us to just sit out here and let her cry at 3 a.m. because we just need a breather because we don't know what else to do and she won't fall asleep and she's so upset and she's so tired. Um, But then, but all the advice would just be like ruminating in my head at that point of like, okay, but I I should be able to fix this. I'm her mom. 
And I think that's to your point of like all this unsolicited advice, whether we want to internalize it or not, when you're at that very vulnerable stage of just having birthed a human, people give you this advice and you think that you should be able to fix things that you can't always fix. And you're not very forgiving of yourself because of it. it, Like you touched on it. It feels so personal, like, because you know, you're exhausting all of your options and you know, you're doing all of the research and checking into all of the things. And when you receive unsolicited Mm -hmm. advice, um, it feels just like a judgment. Like it doesn't feel like the person is helping, even if they have the best, whether it's your family, your best friend, whatever it is, it's like, so I wanted to kind of think about what, like what I wished I would have heard. Like, so if if anyone's listening, like has friends that are in this stage of life, like I wish that people would have said, Hey, what you're going through is really, really hard. Make sure you take time to recognize that you're doing everything that you can and just leave it at that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know what would have been helpful for you. Do you think? Mm -hmm. No, I think that is good because it's that reframe of it. I think a recognizing that it's a hard thing because I think there's this, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, I guess that people are just, Oh, new baby, everything's good. And a, they forget about the fact that whether you had a vaginal birth or a C-section, the mom just went through a huge trauma to her body. And then they're like, Oh, and here's this human that you need to keep alive. Good luck. And it's a lot. And it's an identity shift. And there's just a lot that comes along with that, that there's not a recognition of that. You kind of feel like, and for any moms that do have postpartum depression or anxiety, you feel like I should be happy and you know, you should be happy, quote unquote, but you still have all these hard feelings because you're trying to adjust and you have all the hormones and everything else. So yeah, I think you hit it right on the head of just somebody saying, this is hard. This is a hard adjustment. It's a big shift and it's okay that it's hard. And also, how are you doing personally? How is your body feeling? Yeah. How are you healing? How are you, how are you doing with the adjustment? Because I think there's also that piece of everybody loves to ask about how the baby's doing, which of course you want to share that as well, but you kind of feel like you get lost in the mix as well. And yeah. you kind of feel like I'm going through all these hard feelings, but you feel a little bit invisible. I think also. you hit so. the nail on the head saying like, how are you doing? A that. conversation that is about just that person when they're going through it and not about the baby can mm-hmm. be such a big thing. Cause it's such a lonely thing. I did not expect going into parenthood that like maternity leave or that like first Very few lonely. months with the baby, Ryan would come home from work, my husband, and I would just be like, talk to me. Like I needed, it was such a lonely thing. Like going from working full time, um, like to then, you know, doing the three things on repeat, like eat, sleep, change the diaper, eat, sleep, change the diaper. Mm-hmm. Cause everybody's really excited during those first stages, but then I feel yeah. like people kind of disappear. I've tried, I tried to be more present with that, with friends that are having babies, yeah. but you just, I feel like none of us do a great right. job at it. Right. Because it's just, it's well, and it's hard to like, yeah. because everyone does have the best intentions, right? Like giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. I think no one is giving advice because they think it's going to be harmful or, you know, and maybe it's a judgment, but most of the time it's not. And I think it's just about being really, really mindful that like someone who just grew human is in a really unique state. Um, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. Well, and just kind of, I think just, I think a helpful thing for me and then I've heard other moms too, like they'll say like, oh, you know, I know that you were successful breastfeeding. I'm going to yeah. reach out to you on that. And I'll say like, yes. please ask me all of the questions. Ask me like nothing is off limits. You're not going to gross me right. out. Like, trust me. I've seen all the things. Like it's not, it, I'm not squeamish about these things anymore. Like yeah. ask me the things. If you're feeling something weird or you're uncomfortable, yeah. like just ask be that support because the nights are long. long. So 
reminder. At least, you know, like you could like set it, you put it out into the universe. Like you have a person yeah. that you could. And I remember with, telling so. new friends, I guess were, like new colleagues and things that like were having babies, like, you know, make sure that you, you take some time to, um, you know, give somebody else the monitor and like give somebody else, like when you're taking that time for you, focus truly on you. Cause it's so hard to like separate from that. Mm-hmm. And just making sure like, Hey, it's hard to make hard. sure you reach out to me if there's anything I can do. Yeah. And I think, you know, the transition to motherhood is crazy. What I did not expect is all of the social interactions that I would have, or like the things that, you know, the looks that people would give you when you're out in public or, you know, your kid is crying or people parent mm-hmm. differently than you. Um, so I thought maybe we could end the discussion on a little bit of like a funnier <laughs> slash lighter note. What is the most embarrassing mom moment you've ever had? If you have any. I have like five. (laughs) I know, I know. And I feel like our listeners are going to hate me when I give my response to this question. I have a funny story, a funny mom story that came to mind, but I don't know that I was necessarily embarrassed, but I will be happy to share the story because it was kind of (laughs) ridiculous. But I think that like, I think my thing, and it might be because so I'm the one of us that stay at home mom. And I think that that might be part of it because I haven't had to like give my human to another person while they like had a dirty diaper or like, you know, things like that because like they're always with me. But also like, I don't, I've found that I don't embarrass easily when it comes to my kids' behavior because I don't care what other people think <laughs> because I'm like, you know what? My kid is going through something. And if you have a problem with it, you can keep walking because I don't, I don't have time for your nonsense on top of the own anxieties I have with dealing with my, (laughs) what's happening right now. But it's funny because you had told me that you were going to ask me this question to try to think ahead. And I was like, you know what? I kind of sound like a jerk because I think embarrassment was the the emotion (laughs) I felt at this, but just like horror that this thing was happening and transpiring because it was an important day. And you'll recall this. So when my son got baptized, (laughs) the one and only time that he's ever had a blowout diaper in his life, he was like unicorn baby. The one time he's had a blowout diaper was when he was waiting to be baptized and oh he was in an entirely God. white, brand new <laughs> baby suit. And I'm watching, it was like linen and he has a blowout and I'm watching it just like the poop, like, cause it's that like newborn poop. So I'm just watching it just up like spread. I remember. It's like, yeah, up his <laughs> up the up the, and I'm like oh my god like he's supposed to be wearing white what am I going to do um and maybe I don't attach such negative feelings to this in retrospect because I ran outside to try to figure out how to change him I just threw him down in the grass well you know what I mean I just laid him down in the grass. I, I, I witnessed this I threw him because I couldn't do it I laid him down in the grass there was like a fa- I do recall yeah. there was a family nearby which again I should have been embarrassed that this family was seeing me like deal with this poop situation yeah. but I was like I don't even care about you because there's <laughs> there's poop everywhere and so I I remember changing him but what I remember about it is that you came out and Alessa who is the godparent of my child came outside to see how I was doing and we're just there for support. So kind of that, like, again, quality <laughs> over quantity and friendships. Like I had two amazing humans that came outside to make sure that it was okay. And then one of you suggested wrapping the nursing cover that I had around him so that the poop was covered. Um, and so I just changed him and I kept his same outfit on and wrapped him back up. But what I was worried about in that moment was that I wasn't going to get inside for him to be baptized because his <laughs> outfit had poop all over it. And I was like, I can't walk up to have you be baptized as you're actively <laughs> dripping poop. So I changed it and went back inside. 
So that's my like, I guess, most adjacent memory to that. But like, because of you guys, I don't remember feeling embarrassed so much as just like, this is really, really stressful. Why is this happening right right now? The moments like embarrassed, it's more just like, I can't believe like in this moment that I, I don't, I have no other options that this is happening. It's like this. Right. Well, embarrassment is an okay thing to feel as well. But I honestly think that I've just like, I don't know what it is. I might be, I might just be. I might have something wrong with me. I don't know. But at this point, I'm just like, I've I've spent so much time caring about other people's opinions and letting it dictate my happiness that I'm just like, well, you know what? I, like, think, I think that's probably like I'm a parenting with win for you though, because like, I know you and I grew up like very much the same way. Of course, we were like best friends forever. And we both worried really heavily, like what our family thought about us and like, like what others thought yeah. in the context of like, are we doing everything for everybody to make everybody happy? We're very much like people pleasers in that way. And we're like kind of reformed people pleasers as adults now, I think. And, um, or we're working on it. And, um, so I think that's a really neat transition to see as far as parenting. Like I feel the same way as much as I feel anxious and like those things are personal. I also feel so convicted in that like nobody could be a parent, a better parent to my kid than I could. So I think that's like that comes in. Well, and we don't have control over what other people think. Right. And I think that's where, at least for me, that embarrassment feeling comes a lot from, at least when it comes to kids, like there's plenty of things I could do as my own adult human, (laughs) embarrass myself, but I can't control what other people are going to react to. I can hardly control what the tiny human's doing. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I can't, like, I will go into an anxiety spiral if I worry about this random person I'm never going to see again. So I just try to, it's a tunnel vision thing. I try to tunnel vision and deal with the situation. And not care care what they think. The instance I had was so, it was very similar. It was like a bodily function kind of thing. It was like back when Claire was like just transitioning to be able to like eat food, right? Like and solids. And that's like a weird time Mm -hmm. anyway. Like babies gag at different textures and different things and whatever, right? And so, you know, I have read and consumed like every article about like baby led weaning and all of the things and the best ways to try things and whatever, whatever. So my husband and I and my daughter, we go to, we go to Costco and- we're, you know, just having a normal Costco trip. This is like pre-pandemic when it's totally fine to like have samples and, you know, have a normal Costco Mm -hmm. trip and not thinking like my husband grabs one of the samples and he, he broke it up into a smaller piece and he gave it to Claire. Well, whatever it was, she didn't like it. And she starts gagging and like, you know, like, you know, that, that gag where, you know, it's coming yeah, and you know, they just had, they're full of milk and whatever else. And, and you just know, I mean, Jocelyn doesn't know this because she has unicorn babies who don't puke. <laughs> I was going to say, we're really not making my listeners like me like in this particular home, segment. But, um... <laughs> no, 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 no. My daughter pooped all over everything all of the time. Like blowouts up your back all yeah. the time. She just didn't throw up. Neither has my son. Knock on wood. Cause they're no, going to do no, it now that you keep saying this. <laughs> well, so we're in, so picture like to set the scene, we're in the chip aisle and this is an important detail to the story. We're in the chip aisle of Costco and whatever sample it was, you were like halfway in the aisle where everybody is. It's a Sunday afternoon. So it's the busiest day at Costco. And I hear the gag and I'm not even like in front of the cart. My husband's pushing the cart and I like rush over. Cause I just, I know, like, I know the sound, I know it's coming. I know she's going to puke. I'm grabbing for like the sample napkin out of my husband's hand. And I have nothing like I'm empty handed. Everything I have is in the cart. And I do the thing that like is so gross that only moms understand. And I go to like catch the puke. 
with my hands <laughs> because like what else am I going to do let her I mean in hindsight I should just let her puke on the floor and cleaned it up and walked away but I do this thing where I'm like ah, and I cut my hands well because you feel like you need to like handle <laughs> handle it literally like, you know I'm also like trying not to gross other people out and you know feeling uncomfortable because people are just everyone stops and stares like it's nobody kept going or was polite enough to like keep walking and not gawk everyone was just like disgusted and in fear <laughs> like watching us and I'm like Whoa, and it, it felt so oh. what's like either you keep walking right. or you offer <laughs> help cleaning it up like that are those are your so two options I, in that uh, situation so I am you know, we're, so we go into problem solving mode. Right. And I, you know, we, my husband like cleans out the sample, um, the sample napkins from the Costco, you know, little old lady that's handing out the samples. And then I get like the, the remaining wipes, of course, in the diaper bag, there's like five wipes left. There's not enough to handle the massive, you know, situation that has come from like my daughter's projectile puke. And I'm still holding all this puke in my hand because where else do you put it? So my husband, <laughs> I want awful. to throw up here. Sorry. But here's the kicker. So my husband, we get everything cleaned up and we leave. And I'm just already, it's been one of those weeks for the books, and I'm already annoyed. And then I go on to social media. This is this episode is making me realize I need to just get off social media. But I get on social media. Yes. And I happen to follow the business account of like an acquaintance, if I can call her that from high school. I'll tell you her name off off audio. But um I follow her account and like her, her, she posted a story on Instagram that said, and maybe she doesn't even know who I am at this point. Right. Because it's been a million years since high school. And also we were in the same friend group. She might not know who I was. And, uh, I just happened to follow her randomly and (laughs) on her story, it says, I just witnessed a baby puke into her mom's hands in the chip aisle of Costco. I'm not okay. And I was like, (gasps) like, Oh my gosh. Like, Ew. So I assume she had no idea who I was. And if she did, that was just like a mean thing to do. Ew. But I'm, you know, benefit of the doubt. She has no, like no recollection of me at all. And I just looked at Ryan and I was like, I am mortified. Like for someone to say like those words are just like, I'm not okay. Mm. I was like, Oh God. Like, I just remember feeling like is this parenting? Like, it was like one of those like weeks where like she had three blowouts when I dropped her off because she was in that like phase of no matter what, what, you know, like every yes. single time they poop at the same time of day. And it happened to be the same time that I would drop her off. And then I saw, and just reading the words, I'm not okay. In my defense, if I had to drop a child off with poop in their car seat, like yeah, I would be mortified. And also yeah, and if I had like to catch my puke in my hand. But also, I probably would have thrown up too. So then I would have been extra embarrassed for <laughs> that was myself. My whole existence when she so. was a baby, because like the 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 sitters that would watch her or whatever, they were like so far away from my office that I had a short window of time, mm-hmm. and like or it was like I used the last diaper or whatever the case was. So it was one of those mm-hmm. weeks, and I just so that was like my my most embarrassing moment. But the good news is, silver lining is after that, I realized like who the hell are you again? This person has no kids. And if you're not okay from that, then like bless your heart when you get to have a kid. Yeah, I think those kinds of things just make me more, and maybe this is not a healthy reaction, but like just make me mad more than anything. Like, who are you to pass these judgments on? The story is like, just be kind to parents because they are in 
humans don't care if you're in the chip aisle at Costco. They are going to projectile puke wherever they want. They're going to do embarrassing things. They're going to swear. They're going to do it in front of everybody. And you just be nice to people. That's all. (laughs) Uh, Well, okay. So that's all I had to chat about as far as like relatable mom moments, because those are things that I thought would have helped me when I was going through it in that chip aisle moment knowing that like I'm not the only person and shortly after I heard a podcast where somebody talked about you know the thing you do where you catch the puke and I I was like oh my gosh I feel so seen like I am not the only person (laughs) of how hard things can be behind the scenes it's time for a crazy check (laughs) crazy check I'm excited for this one because you have not normally we like might talk about them a little bit but I have not heard about yeah and I am completely at a loss and I haven't done my normal amount of internet research at this point to help me answer this question so here's my crazy check okay um I mentioned earlier Claire my daughter she's two and a half and she's going through sleep regression which I hear is a thing the interwebs tells me that like when their mind expands Mm -hmm. a little bit um and they start to grow in imagination they can all of a sudden become afraid of the dark, which started this week. She's never, ever been afraid of the dark. And today, you know, this week she's verbalizing, I'm scared of the dark. Mm-hmm. And she's, it's definitely related to a cognitive leap. I know that's what the sleep regression is happening. But with that has also come semi-imaginary friends. Like normally yeah. I have a pretty good feel of like the appropriate way to respond to make her feel supported and not judged And also that is like productive to like her development, but the baby monitor we have in her room is like mounted up on the wall so it can look down into her crib. And when it's connected to the monitor that I can see that I carry around with me, um, the light on it is red. And when it's disconnected, the light turns blue. So she can see that in her room. Like she can see the light turn from red to blue. And now Uh she calls the lights her monsters. And she'll like point to them, like as if they're like real monsters that are there. And she says, mommy, it's my monsters. These are my monsters. And she'll be like, and when I'm not in the room, I can hear her on the monitor and she'll talk to the monsters. And she says, um, Uh monsters, you know, tell me about your day. And she like is having conversations with the monsters, like full on imaginary friend style. So I don't know. Do I Uh also acknowledge the monsters and say like, what's up monsters? Like when I go in there (laughs) or do I just explain that's only the light on the monitor, which I have done. I've explained the light on the monitor and why it shows up and those kinds of things. But uh, what do I do to not mess up my kid (laughs) so that she doesn't like, I know, right? I don't want her to show up at her wedding talking to imaginary blue and red Mm -hmm. monsters. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, okay, for starters, if she's going to be a lifelong talking to blue and red monsters situation, then there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to deter from that. Whatever you say is immediately going to impact like the rest of her life. This is again, the anxiety creeping in. (laughs) I know. So a little crazy on this one. I think that, I mean, it's just like any, (laughs) it's like any other imaginative thing, I think. So I think what gets me about these kinds of things right now during pandemic times is I worry, I worry about the types of objects that my children, especially my five-year-old are like befriending because I'm like, is this normal kid development or is this because they can't be their friends and they're trying to like figure out 
ways to socialize, but I remember having imaginary friends as a child. So I don't really think, I think it's just part of their imagination. So my son is not quite at that age yet where he understands the monitor situation. Um, so with my daughter though, she knows like the on and off and gets upset if she knows that we can't see her um, and that we're not available for her. So I guess it's a good thing in that regard that like, she's just befriending the different colored monsters that show yeah, up on her we, wall we, we, and we that she's not afraid of monsters. Cause I fully believe that like we foster that fear of yeah. monsters with how we react to it. I think that, I don't know that it's problematic. I think that she probably understands that it's a light on the monitor. Yeah. And I'm sure you've said that before. That makes me feel better um, hearing that you and knew I think it's that of... your imaginary friend was not real and that it was like a game you were playing. Because she, she'll play with her toys and yeah. be imaginative and say like, oh, come here, you know, bear or come here, you know, sky or whatever her stuffed animal is. And she'll play with them and pretend talk to them like she does to the monsters. So uh-huh. I just want to make sure that I'm not... Honestly, it's probably like a little bit of a coping mechanism as well. Like if she does have some sort of recognition that the lights mean different things, I don't know how much you guys have talked about that, but like she's reframing it and she's just like making them her little friends on the wall. So I think part of it probably is just part of that cognitive leap as well. Like she's recognized those are there because I think they just kind of pay attention to their immediate surroundings. Whereas like now she's noticing this thing up on the wall and the lights, the different lights that it turns and like, it's honestly kind of, I think, a good thing or a little bit impressive that she's figured, like that she's given them two different like personalities. And okay. I think it just shows I, her imagination, just, honestly. It was like it threw me when it wasn't like a stuffed animal. Like stuffed animal I can get around because I, I can see her playing and I know she knows the stuffed animal because she also mm-hmm. is extremely specific, just like my husband. And so I'll say, oh, are you talking to your animals? What did your animal say? And she'll be like, no, mom, stuffed animals can't talk. Like she, <laughs> she says that to me. So I just. Right. A, did not want to mess her up for the rest of her life, and, like, B, don't want to have to invite uh, imaginary friends to her wedding someday. You know what I mean? So, or whatever it is she chooses to do with her life. So, yeah, I mean, I honestly, like, these are the conversations which I think she's right at that age, right, where you're going to start having more and more and more of these situations come up, where, like, for me, it started to feel like, okay, I'm, like, nitpicking these things that, like, I probably don't need to have comments on because it's probably fine, like, she doesn't seem upset about it. So like, why am I commenting on it? But I think as parents, you, it's that kind of stage you talked about it. Like, okay, for a long time, we are just like, yeah, eat, sleep, change, eat, sleep, change. And then like, they get a little bit more independent and then they have these cognitive leaps and the cognitive leaps are the hard part because you're just, they're becoming, they're coming into their personalities more and into their, their brain development that you're right. trying not to, um, hinder that but also like we're super aware of making sure that they're okay also so <laughs> if she's not upset by the wall monsters the light monsters like yeah. I it's probably fine. I don't think she's I feel more safe fine. now thanks friend I'm glad we had this chat and it was like interesting to hear your perspective as well and we will get together again next week for wine Wednesday check us out on yeah, our thanks Instagram, for the us. whining moms podcast and uh, we'll come out with episodes every week. Um, please give us a five-star rating. If you thought this episode was helpful or enjoyable <laughs> or uh, share it with any of your friends that might enjoy this as well. Happy Wednesday.